Hello, and welcome to another episode of Raise the Bar, the podcast from Next Chapter Ventures. We have a simple mission here to get female founders funded faster. You can learn more at nextchapterraise.com. Get the tailored resources and coaching you need to find, negotiate with, and close the right investors for your business. Hello, I'm your host, Nicole Denholder, founder of Next Chapter Raise. On today's episode of Raise the Bar, I speak with Alison Aaron, the founder of Prodigy, a Singapore-based company that is building a new category in software to multiply the impact of every leader and team in all businesses. From her experience building her successful company, Organization Solutions, to identifying the need for Prodigy, Alison shares how she incubated and spun out Prodigy to become a new category building company. Alison also shares the different types of capital she has used to build Prodigy and her focus on how to grow fast and her five-year dream for Prodigy. As a founder of one long-term successful business and now taking her amazing energy and passion to Prodigy, we are pleased to be sharing Alison's and Prodigy's growth story. Welcome, Alison. Hi, Nicole. It's great to be here. So let's just kick off and can you please tell us a bit about yourself and about Prodigy? Sure. So my name is Allison Iring. I'm the founder and CEO of Prodigy, which is my second venture. I actually started in a company in 2000 called Organization Solutions and used that to incubate and then later spin off Prodigy. I'm a geeky scientist, so I have a PhD in organization psychology with expertise in large-scale organization design and transformation. That was an area that I loved, and I spent my career doing research and working in that space. I am a mother of two girls, and I'm an endurance athlete. And so what kind of motivated you to start Prodigy? My motivation to start Prodigy started after years of being very successful with organization solutions in serving many of the world's largest companies. We worked in tech and healthcare and across different industries, helping solve people and organization challenges and growth. And I love that. I love the team. I love the work. What I didn't love was that I found that we really couldn't serve businesses in an inclusive way. Smaller businesses couldn't afford our services. They can't afford those types of services. And so over the years, it became more distressing to me that our industry is so elitist and really provide services to very, very few companies and actually deliver services to very few people in those companies. And so around 2016, I started exploring this question of how could we leverage data and technology to enable more inclusive growth? That was the genesis of Prodigy. Whether it's with organization solutions or with Prodigy, I mean, what's been some of your biggest successes and challenges so far in building your businesses? Well, if I think about just generically across both Prodigy and earlier with Organization Solutions, I put it into three categories, right? It's always about money, people, and product or offer. And so I think that getting that right mix is always challenging. If I look at successes within Prodigy, and Prodigy, again, we only spun it off a year ago, but I really believe that our biggest success that I celebrate is that we sold 4,700 licenses in less than a year. Like that's super exciting. 90% are under multi-year contracts. And most recently we signed a contract for 3,000 licenses a year for three years with 3M. And we love that. We love having a customer that's global, that sees the power of Prodigy 
So I feel great about that. One of those is all linked back into product market fit, right? And that's really what you've been developing is determining, okay, how am I not just looking at a problem and solution, but peeling the onion back further and and actually finding a way to deliver it that the market is saying, yes, we want that. Yes, we kind of need more of it. It's the right thing and let's go for it. And I mean, that's where founders often start with problem solution, which is great, but actually how do you create something that the market needs? How is that solution actually solving that problem in a way that becomes scalable? You can replicate it and there's growing demand for it. Well, I definitely think it's a balance between inside out and outside in, right? The inside out is what do we have that's unique to give to the world or to create, but the outside in is, well, what do people need or what do businesses need? And I think that's really hard for founders because it's very easy for us to be so excited about what we want to bring to the world as opposed to asking, what does the world need? I think we have to be humble. We have to really listen We have to hear what the real needs are and find real pain points that we can solve for. And then we have to be willing to iterate because no one gets it right, right out of the bat. And so that I've learned is very critical is to have a hypothesis, an idea, and then go and test it. Clearly the best test is, will people pay for it? And do they buy more? Absolutely. And we actually have a course all about product market fit. And we talk a lot about iteration and testing And whether you're just starting out or an existing business, that is something that should always be part of the business psyche and processes to continually move the business forward. If we just look at Prodigy, I mean, how have you funded Prodigy's business growth today? We have funded Prodigy with four different streams. First of all, we incubated it in organization solutions. So we spent about a half a million dollars of our own just in building the technology and getting it started. We were fortunate in that we were able to obtain some grants from the Singapore government. Singapore is a great place for supporting the growth of local businesses, and that benefited us. Then we raised a seed round. So the reason why I spun out Prodigy from Organization Solutions was I needed to raise capital. And so I raised money from angel investors. And after the initial seed round, I did a little small bridging round. And then we've generated revenue. So those four create the money that supported us to date. And how did you find the process of fundraising with the angels? Fabulous. Angel investors at the beginning, in my mind, that's the easy thing because the people that invested in Prodigy, they were investing in me. And so I went to people in the business community and people that had worked with me in organization solutions. My first angel investor took less than five minutes. No one ever asked for a pitch deck. On the other hand, that's really, really scary because they have so much faith in me. I have this incredible sense of obligation to make sure that they do well. So the angel investors were lovely. Other institutional investors, my little brushes with them so far have not been as lovely, but I think that's sort of a universal experience. You're so right on angels. There's an excitement when it's easy, but there's also a responsibility to ensure that particularly if you have a a good relationship with them previously, that that relationship can be maintained regardless of the development of the business, because hopefully things always go well, but it's always about maintaining and and understanding that they know what they're in for. (laughs) Well, and I think that's a great point. In fact, a lot of times people talk about friends and family. I didn't go to friends and family. I went to business leaders and investors who are angel investors that I just happen to know. Somebody once said to me, money isn't just money. You know, it comes from a source. 
So I always looked at the sources of investment as also a way of gaining expertise and gaining support. And so my investors have been a really important part of my journey. Very true, because actually you've recognized that they've got that experience and and they're really coming towards an investment with the right hat on, right? And understanding what the relationship is. I mean, what are your next business goals and what's made you pursue fundraising to drive those goals? Our goals are pretty simple around growth, uh, growth of users and customers, uh, growth of our product. We have an exciting product roadmap that will continue over the next three years. Yeah, growth of users, customers, product, and revenues. And where would you like to see Prodigy in three to five years? What's the dream? Okay, this is going to sound crazy, but there's two perspectives when I think about that. One is that I think that in three to five years, people are going to really understand the category that I believe Prodigy is either joining or forming. And I say this because one of the things I often struggle with is to describe to people what Prodigy is. And they'll say, oh, is it, you know, is it like an LMS? And I say, no, it's not an LMS. Oh, is it HR tech? Well, it's not really HR tech. Is it this? Is it that? And uh, recently a friend of mine said, Allison, that's a great thing. It means you're forming a new category. And if you're struggling to define it, as long as you're clear on the vision, this is to your advantage. So I said, oh, thank you so much. That makes me feel a lot better. But I think that in three to five years, people are going to understand this new evolving category of work technology. Sometimes I call it ecosystem technology. So it's technology that's enabling human performance, not just within organizations, but also across organizations. And it's doing it in a way that's very empowering and ethical and not just managing and monitoring and measuring people. So I think that there will be a sense of what technology can be doing. And I hope that we're a model of that. That's one of my dreams. Then I would say my other aspect of that would be that I would see that there might be millions of people who get a little bit more joy out of work. You know, they're able to lead better. They feel that they're part of a high-performance team. They feel the excitement that comes when you're doing meaningful work. For leaders and organizations, they'll be feeling that there's support that helps them in the way that they need to drive their business growth agenda. To me, they're very high-level descriptions. I could go into detail and talk to you about our product strategy and APIs and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, that's not what gets me out of bed. We had talked about this, I think, when we met in Singapore recently. You know, the future of work is something that there's a real opportunity to innovate and rethink. I mean, we've had a number of unusual years And what's amazing about Prodigy is actually you had already started this journey in terms of kind of looking at the future work ecosystem. You're already thinking more extensively and innovatively around how we can really enable improved working practices. And I definitely see that there's an appetite there to have really robust conversations around how do we engage with employees in a way that's meaningful, but leverages tech because it's providing a lot more opportunities to reassess the working lifestyle, work environment, interactions between people. I totally agree with you, Nicole. And and one of the problems that we have is that there's a lot of technology out there. The problem is that a lot of technology is just enabling stuff we've been doing for 30 years. So there's actually a limited amount of real innovation in the space of human performance in the workplace. So I really see a huge opportunity in that. 
I think a lot of organizations also struggle in that so many of the technology solutions are so siloed. You know, so it's like, oh, I need an app for well-being. I need an app for mentoring. I need an app for coaching. I need this. I need that. Makes it very difficult to drive systemic improvement in an organization and actually to go faster, which is really what is unique about Prodigy. And that is that our technology enables organizations to build capacity for growth at the pace of their ambitions. And it's usually faster. (laughs) You want to go faster, but you don't want to burn people out. Yeah. I love how you're building a customer centric product and you're putting people at the center of that product. I think that's amazing. I mean, looking at your fundraising journey and, you know, you've already said you've used four kind of buckets of funding to get here. I mean, what advice would you give to women building their businesses and they're planning their fundraising journey? Do you have any insights that you could share? Well, First of all, I will be the first to tell you, I'm not an expert in this, but given where I am on the journey, my first piece of advice is do not take pride in being self-sufficient. I can't tell you the number of people that I talk to, but particularly women that take particular pride in the fact that they have been self-funding. And my organization solutions was always self-funding. And I also had that feeling. I was very proud of that. And what I've realized is that depending on what your ambitions are for your business, You really need to embrace getting money from other people. And so you need a point of view about it. You need to think very strategically about it. You need to leverage all the relationships you can. I feel that that's a really important lesson. And I have a WeConnect to thank for that because I went to a boot camp that they did that Moody's had sponsored. And I realized that my own beliefs were self-limiting. So having said that, don't take pride in being so self-sufficient. And so go and get good advice. I think it's extremely complex understanding the meaning of your cap table and shares and even understanding what's seed versus bridge versus pre-series A and B and C, that's complicated. And no one person, unless they specialize in it, knows. And even the experts have different points of view. So I really encourage people to find people who can give them unbiased advice And also not to just rely on one source because lots of different people have different experiences. Yeah, you really talk about the investor language. There's definitely a language you need to understand and know as you go into the process. I think also what I think you've done, which is really talks to the story next chapter reads as well, is that there's multiple external capital sources you can leverage. So you've incubated within your own company but there's accelerators and incubators out there that can incubate a business. You have put in personal savings, which is always part of that journey, but you've also looked at grants, right? So although you from day one knew that this was a story that would take in future fundraising from angels and VCs or institutional investors, that doesn't mean you still can't look at what grant options are out there. How do I put money to work? And I think that's how we should be approaching building a business is where can I be leveraging appropriate money at the appropriate time for my business particularly based on your goals, but there are different sources out there and not leaving it too late because they get to a point where you may have missed that growth trajectory that would have made that injection of capital very meaningful. We've seen that with a lot of founders and that's certainly the drum that we beat here at Next Chapter Reads as well. You have to be very clear, how much money do you want and how are you going to deploy it to the benefit of the business? I think that there's lots of ideas that we get, you know, like we want more, for instance, or we don't want it from this source or, yeah, I did forget that we also taken loans and we've also used venture debt. So there's a lot of ways that you can get money. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it is, it's about those self-limiting beliefs and, and overcoming them to say, you know what, I can make that work, right? Because I'm building something that really I can deploy and grow this business. So that's fantastic to hear. Apart from capital injections, what's been the most important factor in growing your business? Definitely people. You know, no matter what business you're in, you're in a business of people. And those people have to share your vision. They got to want to do great work. They got to be able to work together. And I believe that in a startup, that can be really hard because, you know, in our organization, we're not co-located. We're in five different countries. In fact, most people in our organization have never met each other face-to-face. So creating a culture where people belong, creating an organization where people can perform, no matter how big or small you are, that I believe is one of the fundamental challenges for any business. And that feeling, we always talk a bit about that sense of engagement and you want to give into the business. It's not about working harder or longer hours, but you know, you're thinking, you're like, oh, I've seen that this could be really great. And really bringing some energy into the role, I think, is important. Now, before we finish off, and I thank you for your time, I wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite book or podcast or tool that you've used that has revolutionized or simplified your life in terms of the business or that you could share with the community? Okay. First, my self-serving response to you is, of course, my book, Pacing for Growth, I would have to recommend writing that book was very transformational for me. I think it also has lots of ideas for anybody that wants to grow a business. So you can find it on Amazon and many places. And if you can't afford it or can't find it, you can contact me and I will give you a copy. So I love that book. I actually have another book I would recommend. So Prodigy is in the Microsoft startup community. And the head of that community recommended a book to me called Venture Deals. It's not the most exciting read. The author is Brad Feld and Jason Mendelson, I found it to be incredibly practical. So I would recommend that to anybody that's thinking about seeking external funds. In terms of tools, of course, I have to be self-serving and say, Prodigy, (laughs) www.prodigy.com. You know, Prodigy is a resource for helping build and activate leadership and teamwork for businesses of all sizes. And it's affordable no matter how big or small you are. And so we use it. We do uh, eat our own dog food. So we use it as our organization. Everyone in my organization is using Prodigy. So I hope that all of your podcast listeners will use it and they can find us, ask for a demo, and we will be excited to see it deployed in your business. Thank you. Thank you. I'm always a big believer on self-serving and win-win, right? You know, particularly we build our own businesses. We are the brand, right? We have to be the one that pushes that envelope. So I love it. I love it. And we will definitely put links to your book, to the Venture Deal book, and also to Prodigy in the show notes to the podcast. But thank you so much for joining today, sharing your story, and really wish you the best of luck in the growth of Prodigy. Thanks so much, Nicole. It's my pleasure. Join us next time for another conversation with female entrepreneurs and investors who are shaking things up. To connect with Next Chapter, follow us on social, visit the platform at nextchapterraise.com and subscribe to the podcast for more great stories to inspire, empower and celebrate female entrepreneurs.